All right, what's up, guys? Welcome into episode six. Yeah, episode six, the checkerboard check-in. Uh, missing D. Scott tonight. He's down with food poisoning. Got him got him down bad tonight, it sounds like. But we got Sawyer, Murphy, Kenan. Boys, what's going on? Oh, it's all good, man. D. Scott probably saw that basketball game on Tuesday. Yeah. That's I mean, probably why he's under the weather a little bit. That's enough to make anybody sick watching that. That's what man. I, we'll start right there. It's what Sawyer brought up before the show. What, what, 12 minutes and seven seconds, something like that? Of no field goals. I think it was, I think they said 12 37, but no baskets. That's, that's kind of what you said. Like, how, how is that possible? How do you do that? You have to attempt to do that. Like, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, but, and I got to watch most of the game. It's not like during that stretch we were just taking awful shots either. It's just like nothing was falling. We did turn it over a lot in that stretch. But, I mean, that's that's concerning. You're, what, probably midway or close to midway through the year and you go that long without scoring a bucket. I mean, it's, it's uh, enough to raise an eyebrow, if you ask me. It is. It's bad. Uh, there's no way around that. It might be a byproduct of the way our team is set up. Uh we don't have a go-to guy, in my opinion. Uh, we have, you know, it's it's good to play team ball. It's good to spread the scoring and, you know, everybody in double figures and all that. But sometimes you, you need someone that you can look to to, you know, get you a bucket, uh, get you out of a 12-minute drought before it gets way anywhere close to 12 minutes. So, uh, you know, whether that's Springer – or whoever, uh, somebody – or I thought I thought Josiah Jordan-James had a decent game. And uh, just with his versatility, I think he might be an option in that spot. But you got to have somebody that you can look to uh, when you need a bucket. And I don't know, you know, if this team just has really nailed that down at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what you said, it – what we were talking about before the show, it'd be nice to have a fiery leader like a guy like Mac McClung, wouldn't it? Yeah. Gate City, Virginia, close by. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's – I mean, this team's streaky, and that hasn't been a shock even before the letdown the other night. I mean, we've known since what – probably a little bit before the first Alabama game, honestly, that this offense, I mean, it your defense, you know what you're going you're gonna to get pretty much, but the offense, it's just – I mean – it goes to sleep. Yeah, streaky was good at first. I mean, you could take streaky over what we've got now. Now it's just, I mean, I mean, all, good. you don't want to downplay Ole Miss on defense. I mean, I think they came in number two. We were number one in the SEC on defense. But, I mean, it's just it, – it's like it's like Keenan said before. I mean, somebody on previous teams would have, would have recognized there's a problem and, hey, let, let's do something different. But, it's, I mean, it's this team. It's nobody – maybe. I mean, maybe a leader steps up. But at this point, we're, what, February 5th now? I mean, March Madness in a month now. So, it's – I don't know. I mean, it basketball is weird. It, it's a game of you get hot at the right time. And we saw what Loyola Chicago and Sister Mary can do. So, I mean, it, if they can do it, I don't know why anybody can't. But, I mean, it's – it's like, it's like we have a couple good games, then we have this game where we're like, hey, you've got to get it turned around quick. So there's still time, but, I mean, it's it's wearing down very quickly. 
I guess is the best way to put it. And, you know, I hate to say it, but in my opinion, at least, this team doesn't have a true point guard at this point. You know, Vescovi is supposed to be that. Uh, I think he lacks maybe some athleticism and speed needed for the position and maybe even some leadership qualities. I, I don't think I've ever seen Vescovi yell at anybody, uh, get mad at anybody, do anything like that. And I'm not I'm not trying to, you know, rain, rain down on him, you know, because – He's had to share the load with Victor Bailey and Josiah Jordan James some on, on, you know, just point guard duties. But that in itself tells me that we don't have someone in that position to look to, you know. And uh, as much as we all are ready for him to be here, Kennedy Chandler isn't here yet. So uh, you got to figure something out of that position. Uh, uh, I think I Vescovi think would probably be better suited as a two guard uh, but you know you need him at the point at this point, so it's 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 a balancing act, and it, and it's something that we you know should have enough veteran leadership. Should I should have enough veteran leadership, you know, to to push through that. But you know that's that's one of the many ifs that we're having to answer right now. So yeah, I think you were hoping to get some of that out of out of Victor Bailey coming into this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I'm, I've watched, I'm not a big basketball guy. I try to watch, but he gets to the rim. His ability to get to the rim is there, but he just can't finish. Like, he'll get three or four easy layups, and you're just like, why is this guy not able to finish this? Um, he, he can get hot from the three-point line, but when he's not hot, he's trying to find his shot, and then he's just taking shot after shot after shot, and they're not falling, and you're losing possessions. And that, you know, can put you put you behind. But – I think in this situation for, for a basketball team is when you want to turn to to your alpha, you know, one of your senior leaders, Fulkerson or Pons, and they just – I don't think neither one of those guys has it in them to to take that position and run with it. Um, Fulkerson has shown at times that he can score in bunches, and so, so has Pons, but I don't know. Watching Fulkerson, just something doesn't seem right with him. I don't know if he's playing hurt or or what, but it, something just doesn't seem right with, with, with Fulky, but – you got to have somebody to go to to get you points, like you guys have said. And I thought Josiah Jordan James was was looking like that guy. The way he was getting hot from the three point line, he was shooting lights out to start that game, and then it just it went the way it went. So I, I don't know the answer. Like I said, I'm not a huge basketball guy, so I'm not going to try to sound like I know what I'm talking about. But uh, they got to find something, or or March is not going to be fun. No, I mean I I'm not either, but it, it just. I mean, I, th- I think Pons is the closest guy we've got to that, to just taking over, and he's not. Yeah. I mean, I, it may just be that we're used to, if you needed a bucket, it was toss it down to Grant Williams in the low post, and he, 99 times out of 100, he had a post move he could put on, and he'd hit a little turnaround hook, something like that. I mean, it's just Pons. Up until this year, Pons hasn't you know, been, been required to be the guy. Right. So it, it's kind of hard just to turn that on. And, and you know, unless, you, you know, it's something in inside you already, but I don't know. I agree. I agree with Murphy, uh, Bailey jr. If he's not making threes then he really doesn't, you know, have a, a spot or what, what is he doing? Um, it, it, it's when it gets down to crunch time, you got it. You got to have that alpha. You got to, you got to have that killer instinct. 
And I don't, I don't know if we have that right now. And and maybe it's a player that needs to step up. Step up. Uh, I'm sure Barnes has done his fair share of yelling at this team. And you know, I think it, I think it's going to have to come from within a players only meeting or something like that. But they got to find some type of consistency because they have none. They have they have no consistency um, on the offensive end. And you know, as good as their defense is. If you can't score points, you're not going to win very many games. So, so mm. they got to find some kind of off offensive consistency, and they got to find a leader that's going to, you know, they can turn to in these situations. So, it's an ongoing process. And I think uh, you talked about the point guard earlier, and I don't know, maybe it's just me in this thinking, but after seeing his playmaking ability, his basketball IQ, I wouldn't mind seeing Jaden Springer run the point guard. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'd really love to see that. I'm a huge Springer guy of the two freshmen. He's my guy. I love Keon, too, but Springer's my dude. And uh, I wouldn't be opposed to having the ball in his hands more. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about Bailey. If he's not hitting shots, what good is he doing you? I mean, there's been games with Scobie, you could say the same thing about him. Mm-hmm. Because he's either – he's not hitting shots, he's turning it over a ton. He's not the best defender. He's not the worst either. But – I don't know, and not having a guy is very – that that's a problem, especially come March. Because, I mean, it's like D. Taylor said, we knew that when it came down to it, Grant Williams was going to get the ball. Grant Williams was going to make the right play. It wasn't necessarily score, but, you know, he, he could go score. Or he'd kick it out to Admiral or Bowen or Bowden. You know, we had guys that were ready – for that moment, we and right now we are far, far, far from that. I mean, it, Keon hit the three late in the game last night or Tuesday night. I'm sorry, and I mean besides that, it's it's just like we were dead. You know, Pond's got in foul trouble, and I think that's when the drought kind of started. I could be wrong, but I mean, there for a little stretch, Pond was catching it in the high post and. Facing dude up and hitting a jumper right over him every time seemed like every time, and I mean, I do think if there's anybody who could just take over a game on this team, it would be Pons just because of the freak athlete he is. Because I mean, he can rise up over you for a jumper, or he could go right by you and just you know dunk one on you. Uh, but it's got to be established, and it's got to be sooner than later. And I realized that basketball is moving towards basically positionless basketball. You 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 want everybody, you know, six six to six nine and and similar. That's the way the league's going. But there is not much of an inside presence at all on the offensive end for this team. Uh, it you know, Pons will back his way into the paint from the three point line, or Fulkerson might be able to get off a couple post moves, but it's it's nothing that's with any consistency. And whether that's on recruiting or development, uh, they got to get bigger, you know, in a lot of areas. And I think that's another problem. I, I think this team is very good two through four. But you, you got to have a point guard. You got to have size that you can count on, you know, to, to rebound because that's also another problem. Who is who on our team is getting ten rebounds a game? I don't. I, I haven't looked at the stats, but I can't imagine anybody. 
Josiah's probably the closest right now. Right. It seems like Josiah's our best rebounder. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that shouldn't – I mean, you know, I, I applaud his effort, but that shouldn't be the case. Uh, he shouldn't ha- – he his his abilities should be used elsewhere. Um, and we sh- we should be able to count on our post guys to, to fill up the stat sheet on the rebounds and, you know, be able to throw the ball in at any given time and, and get a post move. And – it just seems like those are our most uh, inconsistent areas of our offense, our point guard and uh, the five. So it's, it's something that needs to be addressed. It really is. It's something that needs to be addressed. And to me, honestly, I mean, it, it's a tough pill to swallow. It's it maybe this is kind of a hot take on my end. I don't think it is just from watching him this year. I mean, John Fulkerson, as much as I love Fulky, I mean, he's he's hilarious. I love watching him. And Murphy brought up, it's been a question. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe something he's limited somehow. But it's regardless, as much as I love him, Folky has shown that if he's got a matchup against a bigger physical guy down low with him, it neutralizes him. I mean, if the guy – if he has a smaller player on him, if he gets switched over, if his, if his guy gets in foul trouble – that's when we see those spurts. And I think that's how he was still leading us in scoring, which shocked me before this last game. That's, that's I think that's how he still does it is getting those points and not really garbage time, but when he's got the advantage, but right. I mean, he, he's just not, he's not a Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield that they, their Schofield wasn't necessarily a post player, but I mean, he got down there and he's physical enough. I mean, folks, and we just, Again, I love him. I love him on the team, but he's just shown that if there's a bigger matchup that he's got to go against, you're you're already at a disadvantage right there. And that's that's what you said about recruiting. I, I just don't know. This isn't me bashing Rick Barnes, but I because he just pulled in the number one point guard in the country and another top fifty player player in uh Meshack. Meshack, yeah. I mean, so. But his inability to get a big guy, and I mean, we got Euros, which was the whole movement last year for Euros, and now Euros. I mean, he's he's a teddy bear. I mean, we he gets on the court, and I don't think the guy jumps at all. I, I don't I don't think he have ever left the floor. I mean, he's he's a great bench guy. He's picking guys up. I do love that he picks them up every time they're under the basket. But I mean, we started a whole campaign for the guy. God love him. We started a whole campaign, though, to get him eligible, and he's just – if there was any sliver, any opportunity of him being able to carve out playing time, this is the year. He'd be there. And last year was the year when you just – you don't have a post threat. So I and between between him and Audrey Aubrey Solomon was that a bigger waste of time on Twitter than those two guys? Or I'd say pawns Ooh. or not pawns up uh, Euros <laughs> probably. I'd say Euros probably. Just uh, Solomon was a decent contributor. I mean that Euros. I just those were all out campaigns uh, for their eligibility uh, yeah. for Vol Twitter, and I just uh, you're right. Solomon panned out a little more. But this this team does not the, – the, who scares you in the post besides Pons? Or, well, I mean, offensively, nobody scares you in the post on our team. Nobody. And you're I feel okay. like Keon backing guys down, though. Because, I mean, Keon's a lot like Pons. You know, he can just – in the blink of an eye, he's a, above you shooting a, you know, turnaround jumper or whatever. 
and Springer, like, you know, I'd heard when he was in high school and everything that he just had this bulldog mentality. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. He really does. I mean, he does. Solid, man. He's what, 6'4, probably 200, 205. He's every bit of it. I mean, he he's solid. And, you know, that's what they need. I hope it, you know, lack of a better term, pisses them off that things like Tuesday happen. And you can you can look at Keon Johnson and, and tell that, it, you know, it makes him mad. And, you know, that's what we need. But it's got to be with any type of consistency, some type of consistency, because we, you know, I, I don't want to last year or I'm sorry, two years ago, uh, Tennessee was pretty much one of the top teams in the country for covering the spread. And that if, if that's, you know, nothing else, just one more reason that you can see the team is, you know, maybe not on par as two years ago is that they don't, you know, they don't have any kind of consistency and you don't know what you're going to get from night to night. You know, they, you know, after demolishing Kansas, you would think they'd be able to take care of a, you know, a good defensive Ole Miss squad, but, you know, not one that should be able to hang with the type of talent that Tennessee has. We, and we it's, it's just – We followed up our best win with our worst loss. I mean, that, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That absolutely. That was worse than the Florida game. Because, I mean, a game like that, you're going to have one of those every year. I mean, the only teams that don't have a game where you just – you're sluggish for whatever reason, shots aren't falling, and the other teams just hot. They can't miss. I mean, we, we saw it in the tournament a couple of years ago when we played Auburn. They they we didn't necessarily didn't play bad, but Auburn couldn't miss a shot. I mean, now you've got teams like Gonzaga that play. I Auburn. was in attendance for that Auburn game, by the way. Yeah, that's painful. That's painful. That's painful. <laughs> you you got teams like Gonzaga that kind of beat up on the little guys, and then I mean they're they're stout, don't get me wrong, but when's the last time they won the Natty? I mean, they get to the tournament and then you start getting into the Elite Eight territory and you're not playing UC Pepperdine or, or whatever, whatever <laughs> deep school that smells like the ocean constantly. You're not, you're not <laughs> so, I mean, it's just – I mean, it, the, another thing on Euros, I, I'm not trying to bash him, but, like, he must not provide much in practice either. And you can see that because if he did – if, if no minutes. He, if he was a beast in practice, well, yeah, the minutes is one thing. But if he was a beast in practice, and say he just he would get into games and he'd get in foul trouble, and that's why he's not playing. That's why he doesn't get minutes. That's one thing. But he must not do much in practice either, because if he did, if he was a beast in there, one, like you said, he'd be playing. Two, Fulkerson would be a lot better because he's practicing mm-hmm. against a dog in the post every day. But in practice, I mean, who is he? I mean, Corey Walker's been hurt. That's the only other – I mean, he's 6'9", I think. Yeah. 6'9", six, six, something like that. So, I mean, there's him, Pons, they're on the floor at the same time. I mean, they're they're running running with the ones, I would assume. I mean, I'm not a – I'm like Murphy. I, Keenan's got me beat in basketball. But, I mean, I know if, if you're trying to get your whole unit as cohesive as possible playing together, I mean, he, he's going up against our second string, which is – Maybe Anasiki, who he's he's got the height advantage over. He Anasiki's stronger, but he can reach over that hook, and he doesn't he doesn't have to get into a a wrestling match with him really. So I I don't know. I mean, it, you just that's the one thing that's just always held me back on Barnes is his in game adjustments are 
spotty at times. Player development, I don't think there's anybody better in the country. I mean, he's he's solid in there that area. But the inability to recruit a big guy, the, the in-game coaching is one thing. I mean, I understand you're, you're going against a good defense. Now, on no planet should they have won that game. And you can chalk it up to a bunch of reasons why. But the inability to get a big guy is just – I mean, it's – it's baffling so far. It's the one thing that keeps me like it, it always keeps me grounded on Barnes. Like I've I couldn't to- agree more. I absolutely couldn't agree more. I you know, you got at Texas, you got Chris Mims, you got Lamarcus Aldridge, you got Kevin Durant, you got Tristan Thompson. There is a long line of successful big men that Barnes has been able to pull. And you know, Grant Williams as great as he was, was, you know, six, 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 seven, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's been a mystery to me why he hasn't been able to recruit, uh, a larger athlete. Um, and you know, you look at the point guards as well. You got DJ Augustine, TJ Ford. He's always been able to recruit those two positions very well. And, you know, besides bone, we really haven't had just a, true true point guard on the team to me i mean i i'm not a huge nba guy but i know and i'm not making this comparison at all i'll let you keenan since you're kind of you you're more basketball focused than i am viscovi reminds me not in the way they play at all and he's nowhere on ginobili's level because viscovi that's exactly what i was gonna say too he he's frustrated me this year but his play style is like manu ginobili to me when i watch him he he can bring it up the floor safely most times. Now, is he the is he the ball dominant guy that he needs to be no. like Manu Ginobili was? No, I mean Ginobili was better off the ball, catch and shoot. He could drive in way better than Vescovi can. I mean Vescovi. I mean, let's be honest, him going to the rim is a train wreck. I mean, he was it against was against Bama or Florida. I don't – it may have been one of the games we won, too, like barely won. He he drove to his left and just got hit. Was it wasn't a foul, really, though. I mean, it, it was contact but and just threw one up. I mean, his his ability to drive in is – I mean, it, it couldn't get more subpar, I don't think. That's, that's why Sawyer – I mean, the, the point about Springer bringing it up, I've been wondering that for a couple weeks now. I mean, it, it seems like at this point – you should – Springer's more careful with the ball. I mean, yeah, he'll have the occasional freshman mistake where he'll throw it away. But Victor Bailey, too, I mean, it's it's like you said, when he when he's not hot shooting, he just doesn't contribute much because him bringing all. more is a turnover waiting to happen. I mean, he yeah. he's going to throw it away. He's going to lose it. So, that's my rant there. I mean, I guess I agree with Sawyer the most. Like, let just give Springer the ball. I mean, he, he can – He's the only guy, him and Keon are the only two that have shown that they'll go to the basket, get hit. And you can say what you want about Keon. I love Keon. I mean, I love Springer too, but I guess it's just Keon's the hometown kid close by over here. So, and I think he's got the highest potential. But I mean, he, you can say what you want about the missed free throws. That's rough, but that seems to be contagious with the whole team this year. So, I mean, it, but it, it's, it's bad. It's good that you have two freshmen that want to go in and just they don't they don't care really if they get hit, but that's also bad that you you've really only got those two because like like that Murphy, you have to rely on two freshmen to do that. 
Right. Like Murphy said, Victor Bailey, I mean, he can get to the rim with ease, it seems like sometimes, but he just – I don't know how many wide-open layups he's either just completely just whiffed on or just yeah, – I don't I don't know. It's he, – he gets hit sometimes, but I don't know. He, he just kind of looks a little timid. He'll go in – if that makes sense, he'll go in hard, but he looks timid when he goes in. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't think there's a better uh... – you know, example of how lacking our point guard position is, then Ole Miss put a simple 1-3-1 press on. Yeah. You know, something you've known since church league basketball. And we couldn't handle it. We could not handle it. And it's because you, did, you didn't have a primary ball handler, somebody that you can look to. And it's, it's you know – as, as talented as this team is and as much potential and, you know, probably a very high ceiling for this team, you got to address these issues or, or they're not going to be able to achieve anything. And, and Barnes' record in the postseason, you know, as much as we love him and, you know, rightfully so, his record in the postseason is very lacking. <laughs> it's very lacking, you know, Com- you know, compared to the amount of talent and the amount of tournament appearances he should have had a final, you know, more than one final four right now. He should probably have a national championship right now. So if this team, you know, and I think this team is equipped with its high ceiling to make a, a run, a postseason run. I really do. Uh, I, I think if they can put, a, you know, a couple pieces together and get some consi- consistency, they'll, they'll be able to make a postseason run. But at this point, it's – you know, it's anybody's guess if they'll able to put those pieces together at all, at all, because we haven't seen it with any type of consistency, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see how much talent this team has, and you know, not be able to put it together. So that that team we saw against Kansas is a Final Four team. They, yeah. This this team we saw, we've seen against not as much Alabama, a little bit, but Florida, Ole Miss, and Florida. Uh, Mizzou, Mississippi State, they didn't look great. Really. I mean, that's a no, team that – They didn't. I mean, people say bouncing around a 32. I mean, you could lose first week, honestly. I mean, if you play like you did against Ole Miss, I mean, it, and it's I, – I don't know. It. We go from Final Four to, ah, well, maybe Sweet 16, to Round of 64, to back to Final Four. So, I just – I don't know. I mean, it, I, to me – with kind of going back to that, there's no inside presence. Baylor and Gonzaga will eat that alive. So I mean, it's to me, it's going to come down. That'll to get if, ugly. Yeah, if they're going to make a deep run, it's just going to have to get hot at the right time. I mean, I honestly, I'm not trying to be morbid, but I don't know that I get. I see this team getting past the Sweet 16 where we sit right now. I mean, that, not if something doesn't change. That's for sure. And it's it's good because I, it's not. I haven't thought it's a bad year. I mean. It's been more depressing than we thought it would, but the two freshmen are insane. Josiah Jordan James looks like a completely different player from last year. I mean, he's he him. You've got Pons to where he used Pons. If you would ask me when he was first got here, if he would have been drafted, I would have laughed in your face. And now yeah. I think he was projected as the last pick the other day, which is I think it was 60, 60 overall. So that. The, the, and when you look at Fulkerson, he's probably taking a step back. Yeah. And oh, big time. Big time. 
And he, you know, it's, it's disconcerting because you, you have to think it's because there's more talent on the team. There's, you know, I would, I would hope that he wouldn't bow out of that situation, but it, it, it kind of looks like that's what's happening. He's trying to defer to the other talent on the team when we need him. We need him bad. And um, when he's at his best, we're at our best. So, I mean, we need all Fulkerson. We all we all need Fulkerson. I almost hope he's hurt at this point. I hope there's something wrong that like will give an explanation. Honestly, like may at least at least then you know like okay, if it's the wrist from the first first time he screwed up, that's still bothering him. Okay, because he, I've wondered that because there's just so many times that he. I think the other day Springer drove in and made a beautiful – I don't know if it was a no-look pass, but made just an awesome pass to him. A four-year-old should have caught that pass and had a, an easy layup, went up and dunked it. I don't care what, what how athletic the four-year-old is, whatever you're talking about. But, I mean, it just hit him right in the hands, and it's just a simple turnover. I mean, we've known since he stepped on campus, sometimes Folky can kind of look like a baby deer walking on ice. I mean, that's just – that's – that's part of the reason you love him. Sometimes he's out there and he's just stumbling around. Not, you're not really sure what he's doing, but he's he's making plays. Now he's he's stumbling around like that, and it he's turning it over. He's thrown up several air balls this year from not more than ten feet out. So I, you don't hope anybody's hurt, but I it, that would at least give an explanation. I mean, I I would hope they'd come out and say, yeah, you know, John's been dealing with this since this game he's been dealing with this since this game he's just beat up in general I mean just sit him for a couple games then like let him let him get his mind right let him get his body right something because that the Fulky that's out there right now for the last two weeks probably is a liability I mean he he adds nothing he's getting whipped down low he's turning the ball over and he's just yeah he's probably technically still our leading scorer but I mean that was a lot from the early season where he was I mean, you're you're whipping Tennessee Tech then, so. I mean, the guy shoots a good percentage, but what worries me is when you know he's he's taking three shots a game, he's taking four shots a game, he's just not involved. I can you know I can deal with an off night, but what I can't deal with is Fulkerson not showing up at all yeah. when he knows how important that he is to this team. And I think that's probably what Barnes is trying to get across to him. Um, he thought he had turned a corner. After the Kansas game, Barnes straight up said, "No, he didn't." I mean, you could you could see what happened Tuesday. So, you know, he's got to show up. He's got to show up in a big way, be a presence, take some shots, be our offense. You know, be as much of as of an enforcer as John Fulkerson can be, and not. And one thing with him and Pons, you know. I think Fulkerson's what six nine Pons is six 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 seven. Close to that. Uh, yeah, uh, they got to stay out of foul trouble, and that's hard to do when you're you're giving up, you know, a height advantage like they're probably giving up most nights. But they they got to figure out a way to stay out of foul trouble because we need them at the end of these games. You know, we there was a quick whistle the other night too. That that was one of the typical SEC Tuesday night games every year where. <laughs> Ted Valentine, whoever it is out there, has to make the game about them. I mean, there were some – both ways, there were some awful calls the other night. 
And we know how Barnes is going to play that. He's going to sit you down. He's not going to let you play. He's he, if you if you get in any type of foul trouble, he will sit you down. And so they got to know that they got to adjust, and they got to know that. So whether whether it's a good call or bad call, it's still a call at the end of the day. I mean, you can like it or not, but that's taking the chin. That's the scenario you got now. So I mean, I I don't know. Are all minds clear on basketball? I think I got some demons out. Thank you. Okay, I feel better. <laughs> I feel better. It's just a lot of suppressed angers out now. Saw yes. your piece up there. Look at him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do have one more thing. Uh, and, uh, like, just watching the games, like, Count Johnson, he's going 100% every time you watch him out on the floor. He's diving for the loose ball. He's doing whatever. Springer's the same way. Besides that, honestly, I, you, you don't see it much. It's mm-hmm. like – your young guys want it more than your experienced guys, which to me is concerning because you'd think, well, uh, let me take that back. Ponds is going all out all the time too. I'll say that. But, like, we talked about Fulkerson and the no-shows or whatever. Vescovi, he's he's the same way. I mean, if like like I said earlier, if he's not in shots, he's not really helping you. Bailey's the same way. James is usually that guy that you can count on him to do a little bit of everything. That's scoring, passing, rebounding, doing whatever. But I don't know, man. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. I love seeing the five-star freshman playing hard, hard, harder than anybody. But if I was a junior or a senior on the team, I'd think, well, dang, because, I mean, we pretty much know that Keon's one and done. Like, he has no reason to go balls out every play like he does. Because, I mean, he could risk an injury, losing a bunch of money. But he does it anyway, just because he's wired like that. That's I wish kind of player he is. like that. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of concerning that the like you said, a lot a lot more of the guys don't follow his lead because they've got to know that he's like that, because I've known that he's like that. I watched him in high school and I mean the the main thing that's that's keeping Keon, which he's the number seven projected pick right now. I mean, you can't you can only get six spots higher. But the main thing there is his three. I mean, yeah. if he can hit a three at a consistent level, he's going to be a problem. Because his defense – I think his defense is already – Yes. I mean, he's ready for the NBA in that regard. Mm-hmm. His mid-range his mid is right up there with Jordan Bones. I mean, Jordan Bone, when he hit that little just pull up, he'd drive up 100 miles an hour, stop on a dime, pull up and hit that. I mean, Keon's – that's deadly too. He's a freak athlete. I know I know Keenan knows that because he watches John Moran every week. So, exactly. That, that's, and it's his main it, thing. We Grant Williams dive on the floor for a loose ball. Schofield dive on the floor for a loose ball. Bone would do it too. Our six eleven Kyle Alexander would even do it. What makes Fulkerson and you know some of our other players that should you know should have this experience and should you know want to give everything? Why are they any better? Why do they not have to give a hundred percent? And it, it just raises some questions. I think this team needs leadership. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not at practice. I don't see them day to day, but this team needs a leader. And, you know, who, you know, who that is might be my best guess, but the freshmen at this point are just as good a candidates as anybody else, like you said, because of the effort they've shown, the want to 
when they have the brightest future out of anybody on this team, they still want to give everything. They still want to give a hundred percent. And, and maybe they need to be out. Like you said, Sawyer, let Springer bring the ball up. There's nothing wrong with letting Jaden Springer handle the ball more. I, I don't, I don't see anything bad coming from that. No. At all. So, you know, maybe, maybe the freshmen do need to be our leaders. I know what it is. Folky cut his hair, and he's just – he's lost his power since then. <laughs> was it Samson? Was that who it was? Samson, yeah. yeah. Samson there. He just – he doesn't have fire anymore. It's like – I want the John Fulkerson that would be up 42 points and we go dive into the scorer's table and take a drink of the announcer's Gatorade while he's sitting there. I mean, that that Folky, it's like he's just – it's like he's just going through the motions now. It's I don't know. Even – even if back then, even if he was turning it over when he was a young dude, I mean, at least it was exciting. Like he was, he'd make a play just all the time because he was just, he may not have known what he was doing, but his hair was on fire when he was doing it. Now it's just, I don't know. It's like he's, it's like it's a different dude. But all right, that's basketball. I mean, hey, we got out, we've got out what we need to. This team needs a leader. It's obvious. If it's a freshman, if it's, Senior, if it's a uh, Zach bench, the walk on on the end of the bench, I don't care. Just some, somebody grab somebody by the collar and just say, "Hey, go make a play." So, I mean, I've, we'll move on. Uh, football. Last time we met, what was it? This time last week, Heupel just been hired. Was that last week? Yep. Okay. Tuesday, wasn't it? Or Tuesday so, or Wednesday? From then to now. Um, the staff's gone, everybody, right, except Kevin Steele, which we still don't know could go one way or the other. I honestly – I couldn't tell you at this point. T's contract expired uh, beginning of this week, I think, February 1st. Yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Um, Osavet, my pick to stay. I guess I jinxed that. He's He's gone now. Don't know why, really. Uh, especially since he just interviewed with UCF the week prior. So, I, I think it was – he was the tight ends coach, and this new offensive coordinator we've got is going to coach tight ends apparently too. But, I mean, put him somewhere else, I thought. I mean, it, even if it's not on the field role, I mean, like his ability – that's what I said on the episode last week, his ability to recruit JUCO kids. I mean, if if you, you're going to need instant experience, that's the best way to bring it in. So, but I don't know. I mean, it – you got Jay Graham going to Alabama, which makes me absolutely ill thinking about God, that. That's a that's a low blow right there. Yeah, uh, seeing him in that red was just—I mean, just you Sick just kind of you kind of put your phone down, just go do something else for a minute. You see something like that. I mean, you got that. Um, anyone else I'm missing left this? Mo, Mo Hardesty is now at USC East, yeah. uh, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which uh, he's a big up and comer in the in the field. He, you know, he he's not gonna, you know, that South Carolina is not gonna be his last job. He's gonna keep moving up. He because he's a star in his field. I mean, we've got all, the hires we know of was Glenn Ellerby, offensive line coach, just because he's already doesn't seem official yet, but he's already offered a scholarship. So, I mean, he that seems about as solid as you can get. Um, I mentioned the new offensive coordinator, Alex Golish, I think is how you say his last name. 
I mean, we know he, we know he's going to be coordinator, probably going to coach tight ends. He'll probably coach position too, just because we know Hopple's calling his own plays. Defense is where we haven't heard anything really. I, I think we talked about Ansley leaving. I think that had already broke on last week's episode. Mm-hmm. So you you know he's gone now. We were talking about it before the show. I think we got into Zach Arnett last week. Uh, potential D coordinator candidates. It came out today. We've heard Todd Orlando at USC. Um, uh, Brian Brown at UL. That's the main two I've heard. And then right before we came on, who was it I said? the Todd Orlando? No, the Chiefs uh, linebacker coach. What was his name? Matt. Uh, um, House. House. Tom. Yep. Was it Matt House? Was that what it was? Yep. I think I had I had it. Hold on. That just broke right as we were right as I was scrolling right before we I pressed the live button. So there's another candidate. Right now, I mean it it's what I sent you guys earlier in the week. Hypel was on with uh Greg McElroy um on Sirius this morning. He gave the timeline that by Monday he would like to have he thinks most of his staff's going to be in place by Monday. Seems to me, I, th- I think that's what we were talking about earlier, it seems like it's going to be kind of a big group announcement. I think even one of his quotes was he was going to let Danny White just kind of go through and announce everybody. So, well, once they become official. So, I, I say you'll – judging by what he said there, I have no reason to believe by this time next week we won't have a pretty, pretty full staff mostly. So – I mean, regardless of everything else, not to downplay them, I mean, everybody's watching one higher, and that's defensive coordinator. So, regardless of who you get, I want Zach Arnett. But I did hear today, I did see a quote that was true. Kevin Steele's style for his defense doesn't really match up with um, – with Heibel's offense. I think Murphy's nodding. He must have saw the same thing I did. I mean, Steele's not an aggressive blitz a lot guy that they're kind of looking for. He's kind of more sit back, let the play come to you, which isn't what Heifel's looking for. He's wanting guys that are going to blitz, get turnovers, get the ball back quick. And if you get burned, you get burned. We'll go out and score and get it right back. So, any candidates that I'm missing that y'all are thinking of? Anybody you've got on your wish list that hasn't been reported yet? Oh, Jeff Fisher's begging for the job, isn't he? Jeff Fisher. We can, <laughs> we can add him to the odds list. I think he'll take, he'll take any job he can get right now, I think. Yeah. That's, that's really – I mean, it, honestly, it's Danny White when he said he was going to fix any leaks. I mean, he – he got the flex seal. He busted it out. He, he's he's fixed some loops right now. So I I haven't heard anything yet. I mean, it, I guess we'll hear Monday beginning of next week. But oh, his other quote that was the big one. I wanted to get y'all's take on it. See if you read it the same way I did. Um, let me find it. I did screenshot it. I believe it was about the players in the portal. Um, yeah. So this morning, the same interview I just previously mentioned. They asked him on the roster turnover with the coaching change. He said, the transfer portal created a change in player opportunity to potentially move on from your current university. Some guys who were in the portal are still here. You had individual meetings with them and gave them comfort of who you are. So those guys are back on campus and working out with us. He went on a little bit further, but 
I didn't realize there must not have been many people, which is odd because Vol Twitter's normally got Hawkeyes for anything and everything this time of year, coaching search related, transfer portal, commitments, anything like that. So you can credit us. I, we were the first ones to see this quote here. We got to break it soon after the episode, I guess, that we can come out and say that everybody, Henry T is officially coming back when we don't know. But I want to get y'all's take on that. I mean, that sounds like, I would say Morris and Gray are officially gone. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any way they're coming back now. But who's left there is the leader of your defense from last year. I mean, that's that's an instant, instant boost. That no matter who your defensive coordinator is, that that helps out a lot. Did y'all do y'all think that's the same thing I'm thinking of, or I'm just absolutely, absolutely. I think you have a pretty good leader on each level of your defense in Middleton, Toa Toa, and. Trayvon Flowers or McCullough even in the second yeah in the secondary um and that's what it's going to take you know that's that's what's going to be attractive to a potential D coordinator and it better be a good hire considering he had a proven defensive coordinator already on staff uh so you know it like I said last week this is the hire that'll determine the you know the immediate success of his tenure um, because the 123rd ranked defense is what what he had last year at UCF. That's not going to cut it at all. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think the the DC you, you got. I could sit here. We can throw names all night long. But for me, reading that that thing about Kevin Steele not fitting the the style of defense that you would want to to opposite Heupel's offense. I think John Bryce, I think it was his article that mentioned Yeah, I, I think so. For me, it's go get a guy, one, that you – Heupel's got to trust him because Heupel's going to be mainly – not that he's not going to dabble in with the defense, but his main focus is going to be the offense, right? He's going to be calling the plays, making sure they're good to go. you got to trust the guy. And, two, you got to get somebody that's going to run something that's going to complement your style of offense because we've seen it the past couple of years. If you put your defense in a position where – they're out on the field a whole bunch, and they're not used to that, and they're not prepared for that, and they're not playing a style of defense that is going to be aggressive, blitz, create negative plays, turnovers. I mean, how many turnovers did we have last year? I can't think of maybe but only two, honestly, and they were balls that were thrown right at us. So you got to go get somebody that's going to do – run a style of defense that is going to complement that offense. I don't care who it is, whether it's a guy that's got a track record, whether he's an up-and-comer, a young guy that's energetic. I was thinking about this comparison earlier in my head, and, and y'all might think differently, but give me a guy. You have two candidates. One guy has Jeremy Pruitt's track record. It's not Pruitt, but he's developed guys, draft picks, whatever, but he runs a style of defense that you don't necessarily think is going to work well. Then you got this other guy, young, up-and-coming, uh, going to be aggressive on the defensive side. You think it'll fit. You trust him. Give me that guy over the track record guy. Give me the guy that Heupel's going to trust because it doesn't matter about all the other stuff. Let let that guy come in, trust him, run his style of defense, and let's see where this thing goes. I think you got to throw the, the names out of it and get the guy that you trust and, and that you think is going to come in and, and control the defense the best way that, that you think it's going to going to work. And as far as the guys in the portal, I don't want to hog the mic too much here, but um, my opinion of those guys that went in the portal was, don't jump ship so quick, hang out, go through spring practice, 
And then after spring, once the staff is brought in, if you don't vibe well with the coaches, your position coach, the coordinators, head coach, whatever, then maybe see what else. Because it's not like these guys didn't have schools lining up to, to take them. I mean, they had SEC schools, Big 12, Pac-12. I mean, they had the pick of the lottery. So I think these guys need to stick it out, go through spring, see what what it, the, the new staff is going to do when they come in, and then make a decision on, on if you want to go still. So that that was where I was at. Yeah, that's the main thing we're worried about with you, Murphy's hogging the mic. You never should. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's that's the best – that scenario you laid out is the best. Because, I mean, we get too caught up in thinking about who's the names, who, who's got the track record. I'm, I'm with you personally. It, it, fit, I'll take fit over track record any day. If, if you fit schematically, that's worth twice as much as you've got a good track record. I mean – uh, at the end of the day, a track record can take a southward turn very quick. And then you, your track record's not looked at as highly then. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it, if if it makes games it's – like, it's like we've been saying. If I'm going to lose, I'll lose 50 to 45. I mean, I'll, I'll lose that way. That, that's it's fun to watch at least. But it, I'll, I'll get burned. If the defensive coordinator shows that he's going to go out all-out blitz just – We'll call it balls to the wall. I mean, that just that's the best way to describe it. If you're going to do that, if you're making big plays like that, getting turnovers, you're in the top half of the SEC and sacks, yards uh, uh, yards lost, tackle for loss, what I'm trying to say, sacks, interceptions, scoring defense. If you're up there but we're losing games because we're getting burned, I'll take that. I mean, you, you said you were going to be aggressive. You're aggressive a lot of times. Honestly, I mean, we're top seven or floating around halfway and Heupel's offense is going to be as dangerous as we think it is. That'll be fine. We, we don't have to be we don't have to be the number one defense that you, you can get burned like that. So that's that's the best point of the night. I think you had right there was. Yeah, I mean, it fits schematically before you worry about a name and. A younger guy that is a little more fired up that doesn't have the track record and is trying to make his track record, I think, could be a lot more dangerous if he can if he can recruit too. I mean, I got yeah, that, that's the other thing. You, you you worry about the recruiting side of things because people want to point at Heupel's track record of recruiting at UCF. Well, you're not working with the same resources and facilities and things that you have at Tennessee. So, and, and we know Tennessee is going to recruit itself. I mean, Butch Jones could recruit here. Derek Dooley could recruit here other than offensive linemen. So we know it could be done, but <laughs> that was more of a willing ignorance. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He didn't want to recruit offensive linemen. Right. So, so I do understand people wanting to bring in somebody that's got the SEC background or a, or a top program background so they can bring in, you know, young high school guys. But honestly, I think if you bring in a guy that, that fits well and this defense plays well, they see results and they see progress and that's going to help. And, and the one thing that's going to help everything, we talked about it, is winning. If you go out and win games, that solves everything. Everything's going to fall into place. Well, that's, I, I had the hypothetical of, and I, I saw it with Nick Saban, that, you know, they signed the largest cl- or the highest rated class in, I guess, I guess in recruiting history, I know it was on twenty. It was the highest rated since uh, Myers' class at Florida in two thousand nine. Okay, gotcha. So that that made me think like that's what that's what 
that's a good point. That's what I brought up since the beginning, really. I mean, fan you think fan morale, you think recruiting, ticket sales, whatever. Whatever you want to complain about has been wrong with Tennessee. Player morale, coach morale, whatever you want to complain, whatever your main thesis is as to what's been wrong for the last 13 years, winning solves all of it. You, you made a good point. I mean, I think I saw where even if Dylan Brooks and Cody Brown got out of their NLI, like they're apparently – Still be top 20. Yeah, we'd still be – we'd be number 20 from 16. That, I think they said that was the – that was better than Butch. And I think Dooley's first class, they would – so – I think Pruitt. Yeah, Pruitt. Pruitt, yeah. And, I mean, it's what, it's what I've talked about before – that some people I've talked to don't agree with me on. I think this team is way more talented than those. You've got more talent here, especially young talent that hasn't been coached to do things the wrong way. They they haven't been developed. I mean, it, they weren't seeing the field as much. Like guys like Jalen Hyatt weren't, weren't getting looks like that, but at least they, they've got some experience. And then you've got guys like uh, Holiday and Callaway that, you don't really know where they're going to fit in this offense, but they'll find a home just because they're they're playmakers and they're quick. So, you know, I absolutely agree. I mean, this offense and the weapons that he has has to had to have been attractive to Heupel. Um, you know, between you know Jalen Hyatt, uh, Tyon Evans, D Beckwith at running back. You know this. He's not, you know, and, you know, that goes without saying, you know, Harrison Bailey, Hendon Hooker, and Caden Salter, you know, like I, I think that's about as envious as a quarterback room, you know, an er, you know, a young quarterback room, but right. about as envious as a quarterback room as you can get for an incoming coach. Uh, so the cupboard isn't bare that by any means. Uh it, I just think it all comes back to the defensive hire. And like you said, it doesn't have to be a top 20 defense. You know, it, it can be a defense that's opportunistic, that just puts its offense back on the field a little more, and that's plenty good enough for us. And if it, it's kind of, kind of what we said earlier. I mean, like you just said, you don't have to be, because if Heifel, if what we brought him in to do, if he, if he does it, you, you don't have to. Now, if, if you're middle of the pack defense and your offense is floating around 10th, 11th, something like that, well, then you've got a different discussion you've got to have. That's that. That's more of, hey, we brought you here to do this. Why aren't you doing this? And not not necessarily as much as year in year one. I mean, I think we've all kind of seen this year is going to be an experiment because you're probably not going to the postseason anyway. So, I mean, it it's going to be just kind of a tune in, see what happens here. Now, hopefully – Hopefully we gel this year. We we mesh and the offense shows that hey, you know, we're making plays if we just got a couple more guys. I, I think the offense will recruit itself too, kind of what Murphy said as far as just the university will recruit itself, the the facilities. Like like you said, I mean, I think I said on the show last week at UCF, he he really didn't have any business recruiting outside the state of Florida. I mean, why are if you're there, why are you going and recruiting in Washington unless the guy's a five-star and his both his parents went there, his siblings go there, and he wants to go there? I mean, yeah, sure, you take somebody like that. But Florida's got so much talent, like like I've said before, like Texas, like Southern Cal, Georgia. I mean, it, 
there's so much there that get passed up by Florida, Miami, Florida State that that's why I think I think the recruiting will take care of itself, honestly. And it, with with an offense like he's playing the run, you don't have to be recruiting top five classes every year. You, you just got to get playmakers. The defense is a little more up in the air just because we don't know who's running the defense right now. So I can't I can't say who you're going to recruit on defense. I, I could venture to guess it's probably you're going to be looking at a lot of edge rushers, um, good middle linebackers that can get everybody set. Um, and cover a receiver. Yeah, cover a slant. Yeah, that's the main thing, which comes back to a more athletic linebacker. So hopefully we don't have any uh, Mack trucks that can't get turned around in coverage. That That's the main thing to kill us. So that's – I mean, it, it's, the, it's the general theme, wait and see. I mean, it, you, you'll see once this hire is made, hopefully by Monday, because I'm getting tired of – I'm, I'm kind of past coaching search season now. It's it's gone on too long. It's, it's been too stressful. Plus, assistant coaches just don't have the the same pizzazz to them, I guess. That yeah. head coaches have they don't they don't they don't put butts in the seats then. And the, it doesn't make them any less important because right. this is the most important hire that he is going to make. For sure. uh, absolutely, and. You know, I, I love his style, and I, I think, you know, we have people on the team right now that can be conducive to that. You know, that's what you think of with a first-year head coach is what kind of transition is it going to be, you know. And I, I think offensively, at least, I think the transition can be somewhat smooth. I, I think our running back room got a little depleted. I think there were some guys in that room that could have gotten some playing time and could have been a leader and, and, and all that stuff. But, you know, they've moved on and, and, and we need to move on. Uh, but I, that, that room is far from bare, far from bare. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about what he can do with it because regardless of, you know, who we may have lost on offense or how far down we may be on offense right now, this will be the best talent he's ever had as a coach on offense. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do with it. Absolutely. Murphy's boy, Roman Harrison out there on the, on the edge. That, we've got edge rushers already there. I mean, we've got some decent ones, even with Dylan Brooks not coming in. I mean, so. I don't understand why you wouldn't want that opportunity to be, you know, Dylan Brooks has a chance, you know, get, you know, six, seven, eight sacks as a freshman, maybe, because I guarantee you he would, you know, get playing time. But you know, to each his own, and 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 if he doesn't like the situation here right now, that's him. But there's so much opportunity uh, on this team right now, and I, I I think it's something worth taking advantage of. Comes back to the point of I, I don't understand committing to a coach. I just I just don't get it all. I mean. It, 15, 20 years ago, yeah, I get it. Back in the old days, like, I get it. But now when coaches are up and gone, middle of the night, as quick as they can, I mean, I just – you got to pick the school, I think. So, if it was what we think with Dylan Brooks and it was just he wanted to play for Jeremy Pruitt and Pruitt's out, he's out. I mean, I, good luck to him, honestly. I mean, I, 
if you don't like Tennessee, if you're already coming in like, man, I wish I was with this guy instead, then happy trails, pal. I mean, I, we'd love right. to you, but we're not going to hate that you're leaving. I mean, same thing with Cody Brown. So, I mean, I comes back to don't tweet at recruits, but just wish them the best. I mean, that's all you can do, really, unless you're like Murphy and you're Roman likes his uh, likes his tweets, his breakdowns. Murphy Schefter. Well, Murphy's on a whole nother level right now. He is. He was he was going off last week. What can I say? That's just what <laughs> just what you do, huh? Yeah, I'll tell you one thing that I don't I don't know if many people brought it up. I think I saw an article somebody wrote about it, but and I think somebody actually mentioned it before. But Heupel and, and the guys he's bringing from UCF. I know everybody's getting bogged down by the fact that. UCF guys are coming to Tennessee and there might be some more other, you know, more guys coming, but they've proven that they can take a whole lot less talent than what's in that room with Tennessee and do a lot more with it. So I'm excited to see, because, because we've seen, we mentioned it before, Tennessee can recruit itself. We've seen good classes come into this, this university and come to this program with high ceilings and everybody's like, Oh, we got this four-star. We got this five-star guy. Get wasted. Right. So I want to see personally these kids come in from this 21 class and then not to mention we've talked about the 2022 class. I want to see these kids come in and the guys you got on on, on the team now and, and develop these kids, take them from where they are right now and take them to that next level. Take them to the NFL caliber players that Alabama's pumping out like it's a you know factory out there in Tuscaloosa. Give me some development. I don't care if it's a three-star, two-star, no-star, whatever – if you can bring them in and mold them into uh, the best football player they can be, do that. I'll take that all day long because you'll win games that way. And to so, your, yep. your point about the UFC, or UCF coaches, uh, my thing with it is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, yeah. right. I mean, it's like you said, people like, oh, well, we're just bringing UCF staff over. Well, UCF staff was a top 10 offense every year they were there. So I'm not sure why that's really irritating you. I mean, that that's more the people – I guarantee a lot of those people were the groomers, guys. John Gruden, you know, he's he's in Knoxville today in a dark alley somewhere signing the contract right now. They're, they get caught up in the names. I mean, I, that's, that's my thing. As you were saying that, I was like – because I've seen people complain about that too. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, it, it's just it, – it's – it's part of the fan base that just – I don't know. That's, that's, that's the little group of them that – I think they'll just never be happy with exactly. They'll they'll always have that opinion. Right. They'll they'll always you know be set in their ways. But you know this program needed a facelift, needed a change. Uh, you know this this has a chance to be you know as our harmonious offense as we've had since you know the first time Cheney was here. So. I, I, I'm all for it. Um, I think we needed a change. I think, you know, it's not, you know, not who everybody would have picked, but who knows, you know, and who's to say that it's not what we needed. So, you know, I'm going to give it a chance. Um, and I think he's bringing in the right people. I think he's bringing in, you know, his people. And, I, you know, I, I don't want him to go outside the box trying to, overthink anything and and just you know I want him to go with what he knows and what he has had success with and that I feel like that's what he's doing 
there's a reason that they're bringing offensive staffers from UCF and not defensive staffers. Right. I mean, you know, you touched on it, D. Taylor. They're a top ten offense nationally for the last three or five years, whatever it was. Um, and you know, Keenan said it a couple times about that defensive coordinator hire is definitely is most important. And uh, you know, you try not to get caught up in the names, but uh, Rodney Gardner for the D line coach. I mean, that's one that keeps coming back to me. Um, the right hire can bring the guys in the portals in the portal back. I mean, if Henry Toto meets his linebackers coach and he likes him, he's got a good. He trusts him. He's coming back 100%. I, I truly believe that. He wants to be here. About Crouch. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? I think more importantly, his family wants him to be here. Oh, yeah. Uh, and look, you know, you touched on it about you shouldn't commit to coaches because they're gone and this and that. But, you know, that's just how kids are today. Uh, you know, I, I think what drew Toto into Tennessee mostly was Jeremy Pruitt and his resume, you know, how he was able to develop defensive players and everything. And, uh, I and mean, money, money bag moves too. Yeah, golly. <laughs> Maybe he should be the McDonald's uh, slogan or mascot now. He's had some anyway, throughout the course yeah, of his life. Anyway. That. He's, he's, not a, he's not a skinny boy. No. But, <laughs> uh, but I, and I totally agree with Murphy. I'll take fit over resume any day. Because yeah. if – I mean, if if we've got a team set up for, a, let's just say, a 3-4 and we're trying to run a 4-3, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like you've just you've got to find the coach that fits your guys, and I think that's what Heupel is really doing right now is trying to figure out the guys, trying to figure out what they like, what they don't like, and that's what you've got to do to one just build relationships because that's a really important part of any sport, honestly, and two to keep them there because I mean we've had a lot of guys enter the portal and leave or whatnot, but if you can build those relationships and gain their trust, then they'll just play even harder for you. Right. That, that's that's all I can think of football. I, there was one thing Murphy brought up a minute ago that I want to touch on before we go. I, I was going to give a quick little wrap around here first. Um, Lady Vol basketball is paused right now due to a COVID test. So, don't know when they'll be back, but they're on a hold for right when they're rolling too. So, that's just Tennessee luck right there. The next one on the schedule is next Thursday. So that could happen then. Yeah, yeah. Possibly. Today they were supposed to play Mississippi State tonight. I think Vanderbilt Saturday. And I think they're scheduled to play Kentucky next Thursday. And we just got done beating the brakes off them a few weeks ago. So maybe if we, we can get a repeat of that. Baseball opened the season, uh, opened the preseason top 25 in the coaches poll day at number 16. Uh, they've been floating around 16, 18, 20 in whatever poll. Or there's a billion college baseball polls out there. So they're but pretty consistent or consensus top 20 team. So you hear I'm that? Ready for baseball season. It's angel season singing yeah. because baseball is about to start. Absolutely. Anybody watching? Anybody watching now? We'll we'll be at baseball games this year. We're already <laughs> we're, already, we're already planning. The, the boys are going to be up there, so we'll come check in. Might get shirtless. Just stay tuned. Yeah. Put <laughs> <laughs> the checkerboard on. <laughs> but um, that was the two I had there. Um, 
last point, then we'll get out of here. We'll, we'll kind of make it short, I guess. I guess we'll just do more predictions. I'll kind of give what where I'm sitting at. I know um, Caleb Landon, I know they talked about it on more important issues, air Sunday and Wednesday nights. Go check it out. It's our boys. Um, I know they mentioned it on the show the other night. And I think I think they both kind of had differing views on what they thought it meant. Murphy brought up the 2022 class, and obviously Ty Simpson's the big fish. I mean, you've got Walter Nolan, you, you've got Dallin Hayden, but Ty Simpson's the one. I mean, when you struggle at quarterback, all eyes are always on the quarterback, especially nowadays. So that he's he's the, he's the one recruit that can get the class started. Right. That's that that kind of gets that kind of gets into what I was wanting to get everybody's opinion on because I've seen that people say since he's announcing this early that's bad for Tennessee. I've seen some people say that he's announcing right now it's good. I think I know I think I know where Murphy's at. I feel like I remember his text message or one of his messages about it. Me though he has only had limited conversations with Heupel from what we know I tend to and I know everybody's terrified that this is the next Trevor Lawrence this is the next whoever that grows up a Tennessee I mean we've seen it before whether they get here and they're underutilized or they grew up a fan they we go we see that all the way back to Jalen Ramsey and Derek Dooley so it's nothing new I mean but where I'm sitting at Texas A&M is out Texas A&M took – They took a commitment from another quarterback today. Today, yeah. That So, to me, it, it was them and Clemson, unless there's another team that I – I mean, people – I saying, hear Bama's still in it. Right. People were saying Georgia and Bama, I don't buy it as much. I mean, I, I think that kind of comes down to if there's a big recruit, who's always in on it? Georgia, Bama, Ohio State. I mean, that – if you showed me a five-star regardless of position right now and said, hey, just take a guess who his top five schools are, that's my first three guesses right there. And then you probably throw in Notre Dame and maybe a Pac-12 school, USC if they're rolling Oregon, something like that. Um, And we'll just kind of get everybody's quick reaction to it. If you agree with me, if you if you don't, I, I kind of look at it, and I could be totally wrong. I mean, I, it wouldn't be the first time. I don't claim to be an expert on anything. I know, I know one thing for sure. Ty Simpson's a Tennessee fan. I mean, you, you don't have to look, you don't have to look deep at all. You don't have to do much much research to see him wearing something Tennessee gear. And it, and it's not like, it's not like the guys that they visit the school, they get a free shirt and they'll wear it when they're working out. Then I mean, it, it it's pretty well known. Ty Simpson wants to go to Tennessee. That's that that that's that's my thing on it now. Will he? I don't know. And regardless of where he announces, is it tomorrow? Is that when he announces? I think it's the 19th. The 19th. Yeah. 19th. Oh, okay. I was way off then. A couple weeks still. Sorry. But I'm thinking I'm more of the – I think he may be the first big one that's going to recruit his buddies to come here. That That's me. I, I don't know. I will get into that, but – I. I think he could shock some people, which it wouldn't really be shocking since he's grown up a fan. But I, I think you could see that maybe he's the first guy that jumps on board and is like kind of like what Jalen Hurd was. I mean, early in that class, he he was Hurd was fairly early, if I remember right. 
there were some early guys in Tennessee that jumped in that really helped recruit the state during that class. That's me. I think he I th- I'll call my shot right now. I'll probably miss. I'll probably be wrong. He'll, he's probably the next Trevor Lawrence and he's going to go somewhere and kick our he'll probably go to Kentucky something like that and kick our butt for the next 4 years. But I'm I guess I'll tie that into my lock of the week. It's a risky lock of the week, Keenan, but that's my lock of the week is that Ty Simpson and Murphy Murphy don't like that lock of the week. <laughs> you act like my locks of the weeks have been good anyway. <laughs> no, they're normally solid. They're 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 pretty consistently garbage. Uh, you don't have to be nice. <laughs> but that's I'll go ahead and call it now. I think Ty Simpson commits to UT. And that I mean that'll change within the next couple of weeks on what people are hearing. If a new team emerges, what this team's leading. I mean, you'll see all kind of that crap. And even if he doesn't commit early, I mean, that would kind of throw my lock out. If Tennessee does halfway decent this year, I'd say that initial commitment won't be solid. I, I guess my lock really is more I'm taking a future on Ty Simpson being a Tennessee volunteer, but I'll I'll put the risky play in that, that he's going to be the first commit that kind of gets it started. Well, I'll start – we'll go Keenan, Murphy, Sawyer, and then we'll end it out. That's just the order you're in on my screen, so – you know what? I like it. Um, I think it's a good futures pick. And I think, you know, the biggest selling point, obviously, is Heupel's success with QBs. Uh, you know, you know what? Sam Bradford won a Heisman, Drew Locke, you know, Mackenzie Milton, uh, Dylan Gabriel. And he has made every quarterback that he's had into a success. Uh, and you can't overlook that. Um, and, you know, I don't know who uh, the really the suitors are besides us for Ty Simpson. I've heard Alabama. Uh, I've heard a couple other things, but I don't know of any coach that he's still in with that has, you know, the track record with QBs that Heupel does. And, um, you know, if, if you want to put up yards, have success, then I, I see our coach is his best option. So that's just me. Oh, uh, lock of the week. Uh, go with my Grizzlies tonight. Uh, they're three and a half point favorites at uh, at home against the Rockets. Uh, go ahead and take them straight up money line. I, I think they're going to get another W tonight. Oh, I can be eight in a row or seven. Uh, well, they lost to Indiana the other night. They won seven and lost to Indiana. So I'm looking for a bounce back tonight. That's right. I remember that now. Still yep. one of the hottest teams in the NBA, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and we still have. You know, Jaron Jackson, Justice Winslow, uh, even, you know, your favorite tripping star, Grayson Allen, uh, <laughs> left to come back and get in the fold. So, you know, bright future, I think. I, I like our coach. Uh, he's, a, he's a Popovich uh, kind of disciple. And, you know, I, I like him a lot. Murphy, Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty clear it's down to Tennessee and Clemson uh, with A&M taking the quarterback today. Um, if, if I'm him, I, I'm, I'm giving Clemson a look as well. I mean, I, I hate to say that being a Tennessee fan, but it's you've awesome. seen – yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, the, it's the sexy pick, I guess. You go to Clemson, you have a chance of winning a national title. They roll the ACC every single year. Um, you're going to be playing for Dabo. Tony Elliott's still the, the OC there. Um, 
they got a good quarterback in, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but I think it's pronounced Uyagalele is how you say it. Okay. Um, Nobody knows how to say it. Yeah, no. that's good enough. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and he's he's young, so he's still got a few years of eligibility. So that would maybe scare me a little bit. But you look at Tennessee's quarterback room, and there's talent there too. So I don't really think that plays a, a factor. I, I think for me, Simpson was, and, I, and I, again, I could be very wrong with this. I think he was looking for a reason to commit to Tennessee. Like Jeremy Pruitt probably recruited him, talked to him, tried to sell him on Tennessee. He's he's clearly a Tennessee fan, so you don't need to sell him on that. But I, I think he was waiting for for somebody to give him a reason to say, okay, Tennessee's my best best place to land. What did Pruitt have to sell offensive wise? Nothing. Well, nothing. I, you know, he he's he's selling uh, Tennessee as a university, but but Simpson already knows all that. So now that Heupel's reached out to the 2022 guys in t- in Tennessee and said we want to close the borders and all that. Simpson, I think, is going to – I'm going to be mad if this is wrong, but I'm going to say he's going to pick Tennessee uh, come the 19th. Lock it uh, in, you guys. Come on. <laughs> Double I'll lock, lock of the in. week. I'll, I'll lock that sucker in. Why not? Um, but but I do agree with with, uh, with D. Taylor that if, if he picks somewhere else this first time and Tennessee shows progress, you see progression at the quarterback position, the offense scores points, you, you could easily get Simpson back in the boat. And he's he's a guy, I think we've said it, is going to be able to bring other guys, Jordan James, Walter Nolan, those guys, uh, in, in state into Tennessee. So I, give me Simpson to Tennessee, lock of the week. Put it down. Like it. That's the one thing, right before you go, Sawyer, that's the one thing, Murphy, that that's what Clemson – I'm with you. I think it's Tennessee Clemson. I don't think anybody else is – I think everybody else is kind of the usual suspects you see hanging out there. Clemson – what you brought up with Uyunglele, he he'll be a sophomore this year, I think. Yeah. It's his job. So. so when he'd be a freshman, DJ, I'll call him DJ. That's his first name. Uyunglele. I'm gonna have a stroke saying that too many times in a row. But he'll be a junior his freshman year. That gives him one year to learn under him. Who's probably, I mean, he he's probably gonna be a beast. I mean, he's. He's a monster. He, he's built bigger than Cam Newton is, I think, and he's got a rocket arm. He can move. He's I mean, got weapons. He's got everything there, so I'd be shocked if he's not – I don't know if he'll be Trevor Lawrence, but he'll be a very good quarterback. I'd be shocked if he's not. That's the one thing that – I'm glad you said that. That that scares me about Clemson is we, we have more talent here. There's more bodies here that kind of I think could scare him off. Like, like I said, I don't think it will because if – if he's legit, if he's good, if, if he wants to be the quarterback at Tennessee, it's not going to matter who's there. I don't, I don't care if Peyton Manning's there. I mean, if that's what he wants, if he's going to get it and if he's good enough too, he'll get it. And won't hurt my feeling. I don't care if it's Salter, Bailey, Hooker, Ty Simpson, Sawyer Turnbow at quarterback. I don't care who it is. I mean, whoever it is, just win win games. So that If we've learned anything is you can never have enough talent in that position. Right. Right. That was that was just a good point you brought up. That's the one thing that does scare me about Clemson. I'm when I when I put the orange Kool-Aid down and I take a step back, that's the one thing that could could bite us there. So saw your close this out. Uh you know it's easy to say Ty Simpson is gonna pick Tennessee just because he's from here, been a fan. And, you know, some kids really take pride in representing their home state. I know uh, 
when Kennedy Chandler, when he uh, when he committed to Tennessee, he says that he said something about you know I love my city, but I want to represent my state, and that's you know when we found out he was committed to Tennessee. So, uh, man, you know what? Screw it. Simpson to Tennessee. I'm calling. I'm going. Like it. Lock it in. <laughs> Three locks. They can't even make it a fourth. Lock it in. Did you already? I'm locking it in. We got four locks. What could go wrong with four locks on the door? Nothing could go wrong. If Murphy the pressure is a hell of a drug. Okay. <laughs> I'll text D Scott. I, no context. I don't know if he's watching now or not. I'll text him just no context. Say lock it in and we'll just we'll blow his phone up with lock we'll it in. We'll see whose side he's on. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it, If I had some wood here, I'd knock on the wood just because I don't want to jinx it. But, I mean, it, there you go. Sorry you got us. So, that's episode six. That's all I've got. Anything, any closing thoughts? You'll, you'll know where Simpson – you'll know where Simpson's going the night before. Those crystal balls will start flowing in, and yep. you'll you'll know. And I hate that about recruiting. That that drives me insane. That's what I – Danny White's going to have aneurysm. I had it pulled up right here right now while y'all were talking about him. He, he's got two crystal balls. Both are Clemson. But yeah. one, one was back in October from a Clemson insider. So, but yeah. the other one scares me. That's Steve Wiltfong. I know he's the director of 24-7 Sports. That was, mm-hmm. what, a week? Yeah, that was a week ago. And even then, they, they do 24-7. I don't know which one y'all use the most. I, I've kind of come up watching 24-7. But I do, too. That's the only one I trust. Right. That's the one I use. I like I like Rivals a little bit better. I like Austin Price like that. I like 24-7's rating system better, I think. For reporting, I think I like Rivals better. But 24-7's got the confidence meter now where you, you – one through ten, you, you give a number for how confident you are in your pick. Will Fong's is only a six which is medium for them. I mean, so it's not like he's 10 locked in. He's a tiger. I mean, so that – what does Steve Wiltfong know? The boys at Checkerboard Check-In have the inside scoop. Wiltfong, when Terrence Lewis um, – when he announced it was – and Terrence Lewis is a whole nother, another ordeal, but he, he initially picked Tennessee when it came down to Tennessee-Miami. So, I don't necessarily trust that initial pick by Wilt Fong. Right. If, if it stays and that meter goes up or whatever, night before, two nights before, then then you can worry about it. Right. I want to say he, it was either Darnell Washington or the tight end that went to LSU that's in the portal now that he gave us a crystal ball to as well. Uh uh, Eric Gilbert, I'm sorry, Eric Gilbert. Uh, I think he gave us a crystal ball for one of those two as well. So uh, I think he's kind of a front runner. Uh, you know, he he goes with the momentum. But I, I agree with you know Dylan and Sawyer that this is this is going to be a recruitment for the long haul. It's not going to be something that's decided you know in the next couple of weeks. If Tennessee can show confidence and you know put up UCF style numbers. And I think that makes it a lot more attractive situation for Simpson. So, and we'll we'll be back again next week. He's not till the nineteenth, so we'll have another episode. He'll what what day's the nineteenth? That's till Friday. Yeah, so we'll be 
we might be like, who knows? We might be live that night before when it's breaking down. So we, we also may have a breakdown that night. So yeah, who knows? You never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get on Rocky top. That's episode six. Uh, thanks for checking in with us, boys. Have a good one. Good episode. Appreciate it. I'll take it easy guys. See you boys. Peace.